You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. Well, the baseball season has come to a close. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios here in downtown Starkville. It's a Saturday night after the dogs have lost two out of three at home against Texas A&M to end their season at 27-26, and 9-21 and 21 in the Southeastern Conference. And so we're doing Sunday coffee on a Saturday night. And uh, Sunday Coffee brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew, two locations in Startwell, and then you've got the location in Tupelo, which is Brupelo. You've got Churn and Spoon Ice Cream here in Startwell, and then and now in, uh, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. StrangeBrewCoffeeHouse.com. They have the pods. Charlie and I are both drinking Strange Brew pods right now on a Saturday night because coffee does not bother me late in the day, Charlie. And so, hey, let's post-mortem this thing. As we said, we are in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. I'm trying to say something positive real quick. Farm Bureau, agents all across the state of Mississippi, go to favorites.com, home life, auto, whatever you're in the market for. Go by and see our friends at Farm Bureau. They have agents in every county in the state of Mississippi. Charlie Winfield, we just got off the broadcast for the final time this year. You did 30 games this year. I did 29. No, you did 28. I did 29 because we had a rain out. That's right. I forgot about the rain out. Yeah, we missed one. Oh, we missed one. Didn't make it up. That was the North Alabama game. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Actually, we did a half a game because we did a half a game against – who was that early in the year, a couple of weeks ago? Who did we play? The Memphis. Memphis yeah. came down. Stinnett versus Stinnett. Yeah. Okay, so the season is over. My thoughts are this. You may completely disagree with me, and that's okay because sometimes we disagree with each other, but we're different than the world today. I'm not going to take my ball and go home and be mad at you. It's okay to disagree. Are you glad the season's over? Yes. kind of am too. I used to think back when I was a kid. Used to think back when I was a kid. Well, I think back to when I was a kid. And to me, one of the worst times of the year for me was the last day of the baseball season for Mississippi State. Walking out of that stadium, you know it's the last time you see it this year. It's the last time you see it. It's going to be a different team next year. And But this year, something was just – past two years, something's been amiss. And I guess we, I guess we start the show, whoever said – and I don't know if I was one of them in the Hilton that night in Omaha who said, you know what, I don't care if we win a game the next two years as long as we won the national championship. Okay, whoever said that, that deal is up now, okay? Now I want to win again. Man, I'm conflicted. Do you ever come in and you find yourself feeling strongly both ways and sometimes unsure? I've, I've found that I am now a contrarian. I just disagree. <laughs> Found yourself now as a contrarian? Or are you just now admitting you're a contrarian? Well, I find myself again 
to be a contrarian. And it really doesn't matter what somebody wants to say to me about baseball right now. I tend to want to take the other side because there's a lot of truth in both sides, quite honestly. And I think the thing is it sometimes gets you is that people don't recognize the complexities and the details of it. I think let's see if we can get a few things out of the way. Number one, I'm expecting you can agree with me that this ain't good. This is not acceptable. And I, I think Chris Lamontis, we're sitting here, he'd be the first to tell you it's not acceptable. I agree with we you. We agree with that, right? I agree with you. That stadium was not built to stay empty in June. Okay. Yeah, and so now we're about to go into three months with no MSU sports at all. And But, again, um, so, number one, it's not acceptable. Two, it has to be fixed, and it will be fixed. Now, how, by whom, when, I don't know. But baseball means a lot here, and and there's there's no way. Now, we might all have to fight each other and rip each other apart and always stay off the message boards, right, because you, it could be some mean streets among the MSU faithful for a while. But this is not a school that builds a stadium like that that's going to turn its back on the sport of baseball. You agree with that? Yes, I agree with that. And it's and it goes with Ole Miss too. I mean, this state has embraced baseball. We've embraced it for a longer time. I mean, you look at Southern Miss; they embrace baseball. Baseball is is a big sport, and you don't spend seventy million dollars on a baseball stadium and have a bunch of lofts out there that people pay very high dollars for and suites that people pay very high dollars for to see a product that doesn't make the SEC tournament when 12 of the 14 teams make the SEC tournament. And that's kind of obvious. And we're stating the obvious. Everybody's kind of frustrated right now. And like you said, I think if you if Chris Lamonis was sitting right here, he would be one of those guys too. Now, the, the whole thing is, is how do you fix it? First of all, you've got to diagnose the problems. And I didn't say problem. You got to diagnose the problems. Yeah, I noticed the hard S there. Yeah, because there's there's more than one. So can I can I ask you before we dive off into that? I want to ask you this: Do you agree with me that you know, normally we come in and we do our Sunday coffee, whether it's on a Saturday night or whatever, and we look back at the weekend? Can we agree that the weekend doesn't matter? I do not even have a box score pulled up. Okay, so I I don't care what happened today. It's a macro issue, right? And we agree there's a problem. I should have had the S there. What are they? What are the – if we know we're not happy where we are, um, what was the old Valvano line? You know, you got to know where you've been. We know that. you got to know where you are and you got to know where we're going. I know we're unhappy, but I'm not sure that we have a firm grasp on where we are in terms of what's wrong. So if we were – you know, you told me one time that you can't come up with a list of 100 things to fix. you got to start with some, right? Isn't that how you approach it? Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. I really didn't want to bring this in, but I will. You know, Jen works with a company, and she kind of created a, a product, so to speak, for municipalities, okay? And so there are these companies that come into cities and city governments and they will spend a week with that city government, and then they will produce a 250-page report about these are things that you can do in your city to better improve your city. And so what happens is is you kind of get lost in the minutia. You don't know where to start. And they were talking about so many of those programs and plans 
nobody even went to step one because what is step one? And so what her thought was is, hey, you can go into communities across the country, and what we're going to do is we're going to come spend two days with you, and we're going to write you 10 to 15 things that you can do in your small downtown to make yourself better, just to kind of give you more clarity of where to start, okay? And it's been wildly successful. And so I, that's the thing to me is you've got to come into this, and you've got a lot of things you've got to fix. Chris Lamona said today in the postgame show, we've got to fix our pitching, we've got to fix our defense. And we understand there's a lot of micros out there. We got to talk about macro. We got to start somewhere. And so you don't want to give right out of the gate, here are 30 things or 50 things you got to fix. We got to take what the top five are. And we got to start right there. And I guess what Chris Lamona said was we got to go out and hire a pitching coach and we got to find somebody good to come in and change the way and our mentality from a pitching standpoint. You got to hit the portal, get some guys in here defensively. But I mean, there are a lot of issues to me, Charlie, and I, something is amiss overall with everything, even to the point, and, and you and I were talking about this in the booth today when the game was over about just, there's just something that's off and, you know, the team, as soon as the game's over, goes to the dugout, and they're they're having a talk with Chris Lamonis, and the team is over there together, and A&M's standing at the pitching mound waiting for us to come out of the dugout, and they just finally just walked off. I mean, it's like little nuances of the game that we're accustomed to. you got to go out and shake hands before you start all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, like I said, so there's – we kind of tongue-in-cheek talk about music that they play at the game, about ABBA being played in the fifth inning and about Shania Twain being played in the seventh. I mean, Give I th- me a man after midnight should never be played in a baseball stadium. I'm just saying I think there's th- this is a situation that, and I don't think anybody could disagree, that every aspect of the baseball program needs to be evaluated. Strength and conditioning. Parking. Tra- tra- traffic after a game. How you get into a game. I mean, mean, everything you do associated with a baseball game. And here's the thing that's got to happen, too, is when you get into this situation, everybody's got to be honest. All right, so to that point, I went to a meeting one time, and I was talking with the guys with the Blue Angels. You know the Blue Angels, the – Fighter pilot group that do the act, you know. The yeah, you got the Blue Angels, then you got the Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. Blue Angels are the Air Force, Thunderbirds are the Navy. No, Blue Angels, you got it backwards. Oh, okay, Blue, Blue Angels, Angels are the, the Navy. Navy, Thunderbirds are the Air, Air Force. Force. Thank you very much. Sorry. Yeah, you know, Blue Ocean, that whole thing. Yeah. I, hey, I will make a mistake. I will admit that. Okay. I will make mistakes. So the Blue Angels, though, the commander was saying that after every mission, they sit down. Every single time they go up in the air, they come in. And they have what they call a nameless, rankless review. And they go around the room, and they start with the youngest guy. But the rule is this. Anybody can say anything. They can criticize anybody there. The guy who's been there a day can criticize the commander. Because the idea is, you say, well, why do you let some guy say that? You're trying to save lives. You're trying to miss blind spots, right? And this isn't as dramatic as trying to save lives. Well, we are trying to fix a program. And so I think to some degree there has to be a nameless, rankless review where you go all the way down to the bottom and you say, all right, give me feedback. Now, that doesn't mean it's one way, right? It, it goes all the way around, but we need that kind of feedback because we have to fix our blind spots. But if it were me, um, I, I would divide this into kind of two areas. One is 
what I'll call the, the baseball side and one is what I call the administrative side, the production side, right? And because I also operate under the theory that everything matters from fan experience. You get what I'm saying? I think everything yeah. goes into having a winning program. And if you if you believe in Ron Polk's approach, you know, the baseball playbook talks about – I mean, look, he used to practice how you stand for the national anthem. You know, you, I think you get sometimes granular because I think the idea is to have this – idea built into your team that everything matters now for me let's what i would say is if i were going to power rank our problems i'm starting on the baseball side and i'm starting with pitching because every other issue that we have right now shrinks to insignificance until that is fixed now i suppose you could add culture in that may that may be a thing but here's the bottom line even with a good culture even with great music, even without shooting off fireworks after you get beat, <laughs> fix those things. If you can't pitch, nothing else matters. It's like um, somebody told me one time, you can build the greatest offense you want to, but if the center can't snap it back to the quarterback, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how well you block. And for me, throwing strikes is, the, is akin to the center not getting it back there. Okay, so I'm going to go 1A with you, or kind of along those lines. As you said, there are so much that that make up a team, and there's so much that make up, say, a pitcher. And, you know, you're looking, bringing guys in, and and if you're going to hit the transfer portal, which you know you are, and you're going to look for for some guys in the field that can defend better, you're going to look for some pitchers that pitch better. And, you know, you give these guys the, the, the analytical tools, when you start talking about strength and conditioning, when you start talking about, you know, getting your stuff the, the best it can possibly be with a, with a pitching lab. But to me, it's not all about the stuff that you have and just the ability to throw strikes. To me, it's about what kind of player you are. I mean, I'm giving the guys a Myers-Briggs exam, right? I'm giving the guys a, you know, just a disc analysis. I want to know what kind of dog you are. You know what I'm saying? I mean, am, am I overstating that too much? No, I don't think so. I think there are a couple of kinds of players that you can win with in baseball. The first is the competitor. And for them, it's not about where they hit it. It's, you know, that's kind of the, the guy that just wants to win. The guy that's got that dog in him, so to speak. Well, right? and t- but here's the thing, too. Sometimes you can go overboard with that. you got a guy that is too emotional that yes. you can't rein back in. Yeah, right? because that's that's the thing. You know, there are a lot of days in baseball when you can wake up fired up, ready to play, and go out there and go over three. And some days you roll out of bed not feeling it, and you go three for three. It doesn't – you know, it's not like football where it's this emotional game of brute strength. It's a game of skill, and effort certainly matters. But you can't be so jazzed up that you, you lose your center. But then there's a second kind of player, and then that's what I call the, the guy that's not so much com- the artist. Okay, It's the guy who's not so much competing against the other team as he is chasing perfection. When I think of that, I think of an Ozzie Smith, if you want to go back to the old day. The guy that it's just kind of the beauty of the game, the flow of the game. Y- you can have both those guys. You, you, can, you can absolutely have both of them. Um, what I think you have to get away from is what I'll call the, the guy, and I'm not calling anybody out at all, but I don't want anybody 
who is worried about where they stand in the draft. And that's hard. I mean, you need to care. Don't get me wrong. But chasing the draft is a dangerous proposition, and it makes you a worse player. How many times do we talk about players in their draft years who struggled? And they will tell you. We, we interview guys all the time in the past who've said, I was in my draft year and I didn't handle it well. Some guys live that experience more than one year. They start putting pressure on themselves in their freshman year about being drafted. In their sophomore year, you got to forget that and you got to focus on the game. So that's the mindset that I would like to see. Now, again, mindset's great, but if you can't throw strikes, it doesn't matter. Now, here's my – yours, I guess, is kind of a culture, a personality, your 1A. Uh, my 1A, and make it 1B if you want to, when your pitchers who have admittedly struggled – make the pitch that they need to make and get the ground ball they need to make, you got to make the plays. Um, We have individual players with as many errors as entire infields across this league. That's – you can't do that. And, again, we've said before, we're not being graded harshly here. No, I mean, there was a – there was a hit today that you know in some ballparks may have been an error on the left side of the infield. It was it's been, you know, it was the left side of the infield a lot this year. And like I said, we're not going into players. We're not going into decisions that were made. All right, it's just so going going I, forward. You just hit one for me though. Can I give you one more? Um, we want to be careful saying this. I know um, what you're about to say. I know what I you're want about to, to be say. Very very careful saying this. Um, Loyalty. Yeah, and. Um, You know, we demand it as fans. But I I think one of the harsh things to do and one of the very difficult things to do is to recognize when a sport, when an industry has changed before you. The nature of college sports has shifted under our feet. We want to hold on to the past, a lot of us, like me. We want to believe that it is what it was, but it's not. And I can tell you, and this isn't Mississippi State. This is across everybody. Players now understand that they got options and they can move and they can do other things. And for some, it's about the maroon and white or the red and blue and blue and orange, whatever. But for some, this is uh, it's not that way. You do not, as a general rule, like if we were doing across the entire spectrum of college sports right now, the loyalty factor among athletes to the school is down. Conversely, schools are going to have to lower their loyalty factor and make tough decisions. And I feel like there were some decisions this year that we really didn't feel like we could make or maybe delayed making. That is a very nice way of putting it. Very nice way. And, and, hey, from the outside looking in, that's a that's a problem that may be a little bit easier to diagnose for somebody that's not standing on the practice field every day. And, hey, I'll tell you where you can go to get a good diagnosis of a problem if you have an issue, and that's our good friends at Cannon Ford. They'll hook it up to the electronic electrometer or whatever they do with cars, and they can say this is what that red light is on for. This is what that blinking light is saying. And they can fix your car in the service center or if you go to the body shop. But if you're in the market for a new or used car, that's what they're there for. If you need something new, if you do have something that's dinging, you're like, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fix it or not. I just want something new. They can take care of you at Cannon Ford of Startwell, just east of Startwell 
on Highway 182. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios here in downtown Startwell. Charlie and I are trying to put the post-mortem wrap on this baseball season. We did finish a game above 500. Here's the thing, and I – we talk about this. We talked about this today, and I sent out the tweet a while ago about how fun it is. You know, getting to do what we do, and it is. It's a blast. Um, but man, it it um, it is trying on a broadcaster when things are not going well, because <laughs> because <laughs> because there are a lot of times that Charlie will look at me. I mean, it's easy when you're winning, man. I mean, it's easy. Yeah, that one's gone. I mean, well, there's an error. It's it's tough. <laughs> the it's, one you had to oh, what was it? Something to the effect of, and of course, the guy that hasn't hit a fastball all week, we start off with a curveball. Well, but how, how about it's hard to let it go, right? It is hard to let it go. How about the the, the wind blowing out, pop flying Enrique Bradfield today? Oh, yeah, that would, you're not going to let that one yeah, go. Yeah, and I should while, let it sure. go. I've got to be an adult here. Um, all right, so here's my question to you. Um, we know we have problems. How do we fix them? Well, and it goes kind of back to that self-assessment. And so I think one of the things about fixing problems, and it all starts with your roster. I mean, you're going to have to have some roster management issues in the next week. You know, that's the thing, okay? All right, you're not going to let some guys go, right? Yeah, you're not going to Hoover. I mean, you and Ole Miss are not going to Hoover. What was the thing two years ago when you won the national championship is you didn't have a chance to recruit. I mean, everybody else was on the road, and you were in Omaha for two weeks, and, hey, that is an issue. It really is. Ole Miss had the same situation last week, uh, last year. Is everybody out at at Lake Point, and their coaches are not there. Of course, you had the COVID issue in 2000, so you couldn't go out and recruit then. So you really had 2000 and then 2021 where you really couldn't go out to tournaments and be seen. I think from just a standpoint, just from a perception standpoint for the people in the baseball world, you better not be taking two weeks off. I mean, I know you want to – and I'm not saying we are. I'm just saying, you know, a lot of times teams – and everybody will disembark, take a little bit of time to catch your breath before camp starts in June. But from a perception standpoint, I want I want everybody in the baseball world to sit there and say, you know what, they're trying to get it fixed pretty quick, aggressively. Yeah, it's the kind of thing you go into work and say, guys, all vacations are canceled. We'll give you Christmas Day, but only in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I had uh, a cousin of mine coach football at Plano High School in Texas long-time coach, and he told me that on Sundays you had to go to church. When church was over, you better get to work. But when they got to the playoffs, they got substitutes for all the coaches who had to teach a class <laughs> for the entire playoffs because all you were doing was coaching. It's time. We, we need substitutes, right? Whatever you got doing, you need your yard done, whatever. <laughs> we got you covered. But, you know, and that's I think one of the things that will be a little bit frustrating is that some of that progress, even if made, can't be seen. The portal's not open yet. So I think step one, you're going to have to meet with your guys. You're going to have to deal with some things. Um, but it is just an issue of roster, and you're going to have to evaluate. You're going to have to attract. You're going to have to win some recruiting battles. Um, so here's the, here's the question I get, though. If we know there's a problem. Hey, let me back up before we get to that. Do you think we're worse off or better off than we were a year ago? You know, remember when we came in here last year, 
after Tennessee, you and I were kind of spitting mad. We were talking about bat flips down twenty-seven to two, and you know, kind of being the low point of the season. Um, can I make the argument that we're in not as bad a position as we were a year ago? I don't know if you can answer that question right now, because you don't know with a with a transfer portal. I mean, you want to feel good. The Mississippi, the maroon color glasses say, hey, we're going to be fine and we're going to get every one of these guys back and we're not going to have anybody that that we want back that hits the transfer portal. I think that's that's one of the things you got to figure out is who you got coming back and what kind of, you know, what kind of cornerstones do you have and then going out. And so there's a lot of folks out, everybody out there is going to be wanting to build rosters. Everybody out there is going to be wanting to use the transfer portal. Now, let's be honest. In the sport of baseball, it is different in the SEC and probably the ACC different than any other conference out there. There's probably not going – I'm saying probably. There's probably not going to be a ton of money thrown in the Pac-12, okay? It's just not. Or the Big Ten with the money schools in the Big Ten. You're not going to have a whole lot of money thrown at recruits in baseball in the Big Ten. So what does that mean? It becomes really an SEC-ACC issue. And so after last year, after seeing how LSU went after the high dollar, after seeing Tennessee go after a couple high dollars, and that guy had to sit a few games, and the coach had to sit out a few games, and, you know, you don't know what, what kind of tampering or if it did going behind the scenes, whatever. I'm just saying. But then you saw how Arkansas did it, and you just wonder, how's the transfer portal going to work this year? All right, so here's the thing, though, because I've, I've said a couple of times, just in my own, not on the show, but just personally, that if you go into the transfer portal and you go looking for arms, you need arms. You know, there are five mounds in the country that I would say are built different than any other. Our mound is built different than others. The one in Fayetteville is built different than others. Ole Misses, LSUs, and probably Tennessees. Those mounds are built different than anybody else. And I know what you're saying. And It's the same dirt. It's the same height. It's the same distance. But that mound is built different. If you're going to stand on it, you better understand the difference. And it kind of goes back to my Myers-Briggs about, hey, your analytics may be really good at Old Dominion or wherever. You know, they may be great at Iowa, but it's different. And that's so. that's the thing. If you can't run across those mounds and understand that they're different, on the one hand, I've been saying, hey, that's not the guy you want. But if you look at where some of these Arkansas transfers came from, I mean, and they, we, they did go get a guy from Kansas, but you know, they did they turned a second baseman into a center fielder? They, you know, they've they've got guys, but it's not like Arkansas went and raided North Carolina, NC State, you know, and Central Florida, right? And and hey, and we've said this too, and you've said this about being a Yankees fan. I was a Yankees fan for a couple of years there, but I'm not anymore, about how the pinstripes are heavy. I mean, that M over, M over S we talk about all the time with pride, and I love that M over S. But it gets heavy. It is heavy. It's a different It's a different dude that you got to put in that jersey. Do we think we get sometimes a little bit unfair towards our players in this analysis? I mean, or, or do we come down on them too hard? Or is it just that that's just part of it, that it's a little bit players in places, it's a little bit of evaluation of who they are? Because, I mean, look, here here's what gets you. I mean, just go – the numbers are what they are. 
But if we were to play a game of spot the pitcher with an ERA under seven, we ain't gonna be we ain't gonna be here long. No, no, you're not. And I, I think mean, it, again, I won't go back because I'm accepting. I think Cade Smith is a guy who competed, right? Yeah, but you know, the, the list gets pretty short. And I get it; there were injuries. I'm not. This isn't a personal thing. It's just it's just the facts. It's the numbers. Um, so my question though is, if we know this and we had this problem a year ago, the question I get asked all the time is, okay, why are we here now having the conversation again about what we have to do to fix it? Well, I think what you did is, okay, you've had to figure out who's your center fielder going to be. And we went out, we got Colton Ledbetter, who probably will not come back. He's probably going to be a draft guy. A high draft guy. And that was a good transfer. That was a good transfer. Amani Larry has has been a pretty good transfer. I mean, a guy that came in was pretty much your everyday second baseman all season long and uh, ran some big hits for you. Last year, you know, when you start thinking about, you know, transferring in from a pitching standpoint, I mean, we've had some ups and downs. And I just, you know, I think that's where it starts. I mean, who, who are you going to go get? First of all, the the first thing first, okay, what style are you going to be? Okay. <laughs> I mean, what what style of pitching staff are you going to be? Are you going to be the heavy analytical? Are you going to be the fastball up? Are you going to be the guy pitching with movement with two-seam fastballs? That's what you got to figure out. And, but why does it have to be all of one? That's the thing well, th- I don't get. It, it feels like to me sometimes college baseball teams are going to be all of one or all the other, but never in between. And that's the thing about it. Is, and this is not a Mississippi State issue. I mean, I talked to some, some guys that I consider Ole Miss friends, and they're saying, hey, you look at our pitching staff, and this is the Ole Miss pitching staff. He said, you look at our guys, they're all 92 to 94, same movement. I mean, there is no movement. I mean, it's all four-seam fastballs. It's working. It's very similar to kind of our approach. At, at the end of the day, you don't have a lot of variety about arm slots. I mean, we got a lot of guys throwing the same stuff is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, and so I think back to – I think you can be a pretty effective team when you have guys throwing it from different arm slots, different speeds, different run. Different, you get what I'm saying? I mean, all of the same thing isn't always good, right? But it's not. And, and I, I think back when we pick up – how many times have you and I, when we start digging into scouting reports on pitchers and we see sink, we, we just immediately look at each other and say, boy, their second baseman's going to need combat pay because we're going to be hitting <laughs> ground balls at him all day long. I want one of those guys. I mean, we had that a couple of years ago, and they're few and far between power arms that have sink. JT Ginn was that guy. I mean, he had, he had power. He had 94, 95 with sink. He threw bowling balls is what they said, and he really did. You know, Detmer with Texas A&M is kind of one of those guys. You know, 93, 94, can touch 95, got sink a little bit, gets a lot of ground ball action. Of course, maybe uh, more ground balls wouldn't have been a good thing <laughs> at times. <laughs> so, all right, so we get into the, the questions then. We've kind of talked about, you know, what's wrong, and I think – I think you would agree with me that if we were to make our list of five to go back to the thing, pitching, defense, culture, maybe some accountability there. Um, 
I mean, th- those are kind of the big things, right? But, yeah. okay, let me ask you this, too. When you start talking about culture and, and guys you go get and how that affects your at-bats, and I will talk about the game today, all right? I thought our game, we were down 11-1 to 1 in the fourth inning or fifth inning or whatever it was, and then we start clearing the bench, all right? Will Hoyle comes in, and then you know Bryce Chance comes in the game, and Hyzak comes in the game, and it's almost like the guys that came off the bench had a different hitting approach, short swings, put it in play. It's almost like a team approach. You know, you're looking at singles and doubles instead of doubles and home runs, I guess is what I'm saying. And so you kind of ask yourself, because there were, there were times this year the, the big swing approach didn't work for us. There were some times it did. And so it kind of goes back to that old – the analytics, like you see on the pitching mound, some guys get so much caught up in their in their hitting analytics as well, trying to yank balls out. I thought Kellum Clark was a different hitter in the second half of the season, but we still have some guys that. Um, and I, I'm not picking on people. I'm not picking on individual players, but uh, the term "selfish at bats," we still have a lot of that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things. So. It's a little bit of everything. I think every room has got some discussion. Um, I do think it can be fixed. But I, I really go back. I, I think, again, I th- I actually attribute some of our defensive woes to the, the culture and the mental aspect. Um, or the mental side. You can say that bleeds over into culture. But one of the things about the errors we were making early in the season, that we're throwing errors. Right, wasn't that we weren't fielding ground balls. We were throwing them away. That that those to me always seem to represent a mental issue. I'm not talking about the ones where you gotta you gotta hurry or you know what I'm saying? I feel like making that throw, that's something that's gotten in your head and the more you worry about it, the more you can't you can't make that throw. Everybody has an arm at this level. You know what I'm saying? You're, if you're a shortstop that plays baseball in the SEC, you're going to have a good arm. If you're a third baseman in this league, you're going to have a good arm. At least adequate. Adequate, exactly. I mean, we saw it early this year, a couple weeks ago, when Arkansas was taking infield. They had four guys swinging bats, and they didn't even make a, make a throw. You remember that? Oh, that I had not seen that before. I'd never seen that before either. But it's almost like the fielding is, is what they're working on, just the repetition of fielding ball and action with – with that left-handed glove hand, and they wouldn't even make it a throw because what they're saying right there is the throw is the mental part. Throwing is mental, and I think throwing is mental with this team. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you this question. So each week we have our two brothers, two players that can smoke you. Of course, two brothers smoke meats on University Drive in Startwell. It's a great place. Everything on the menu is outstanding, whether it be the, the nachos, whether it be the, the barbecue fries, the wings. I love the wings. The burger, the patty melt, everything they do there is great. Barton Dinkins, I mean, they, they came up with the whole thing there. It's a, great, it's a great place to eat. It's a great scene. It's a great place to be seen. You've got the outside sitting, seating. Everything there is great. And each week we have our two players that can smoke you. And so let me ask you this, Charlie. Two players for Mississippi State, that's imperative that, A, they come back, and, two, they get better. 
for this program to go forward? What's the, you know, the first step, the cornerstones of this team going forward? Who are the two guys? And I, I know there's probably five, but if you had to pick two, who's your two? I wish there had been three brothers. <laughs> feel a little better about my answer. Um, boy, it's tough because I could really go uh, – it should have been four brothers. Um, Hunter Hines okay. is important, and it's also important that he get better, even though he's really, really good. Don't um, – man, you're going to laugh. Uh, you might laugh. I think Mershon. I think so too. Um, and I feel weird saying that because – you could make that case for Ross Highfield, obviously Dakota Jordan and all that. But I think, um, look, the deal with Hunter Hines is, number one, he's a very good player. He's got 20-something home runs. He's been around a 300 hitter for two straight years. And you can say, man, he takes some big swings. Man, he does that. Yeah, but the guy produces. And so you start to look at what can that leap be. I mean, he can set a bunch of records before he leaves here. And there's just something about not wanting to be in a position. And there's no reason from all the organic reasons, all the synthetic reasons that he should leave. But there are going to be people making runs at him, and it can be – anybody can be tempted. Uh, but you you don't want to see us that, – that's kind of a gut punch if you lose a guy like Hunter Hines, right? Yeah. Um, because, you know, you go back to when we were kids – Palmero wasn't transferring to LSU. He wasn't transferring to Tennessee. You get the idea. And I'm not at all, let me be clear, I'm not at all questioning Hunter Hines or what he's doing. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is just from a fan standpoint, you want to hold on to him um, and a production standpoint. But I think a Mershon and a high feel, to me, give you a little bit of that dog that you talked about. If we were running the test on those guys, they're very different personalities just talking to them. But they have that. Just yeah, factor, yeah. you know. Uh, so to me, what what do you think? Yeah, I would think, uh, of course, Hunter Hines and then Marshawn Highfield behind the plate. Um, I think an off season for him. And hey, look, we talk about this all the time about oh, and we have we've talked about it a good bit in, in years past about how baseball to me is so hard as a freshman because. I mean, you're playing high school games, and I know you, you've been playing a lot of you know travel ball tournaments and things of that nature. But when you put together a season, when you're playing this number of games in a you know a three four month period, that it wears on you usually. At about the thirty or fortieth game of the season standpoint, you see a lot of freshmen hit a wall. I never thought. Now here's the thing: Mershon was hurt early on. And so they were slowly trying to get him back. So I don't think he necessarily hit that freshman wall, a lot of it because early on he didn't play a whole lot. You look at Dakota Jordan, who hit that wall, I thought, about 10, 15 games in the season. And then his head was spinning and then was able to come out of it. There are so many freshmen out there that just can't come out of it. So think about this. Um, Dakota Jordan finishes the season, second leading hitter on the team, 307 hits 10 home runs, and you start to project what a bump for him could look like in next year when he doesn't have that slow start, hopefully. you know, I mean, if you go with the theory of who could get better from year one to year two, with Dakota Jordan, it could be epic. It could, and then high field as well. So what I, that's what I was going to say is you see so many players 
that after 30, 40 games hit that wall, Highfield's having to catch. You're talking about somebody involved at every pitch. And as the season went on, and Luke Hancock, who came back to catch, and you made the move to push him back to first base, and you had to catch Highfield. I mean, Highfield got a lot of action, a lot. And so his production is a type of guy, as, as a catcher, I felt kind of good about late in the year because he, he shored up the pass balls. Because I'm telling you, when you have that many pass balls early, you're seeing that many different styles of pitchers. I mean, he could have lost it mentally about a month ago, and he didn't. And you had to keep on throwing him back there. And I'll I'm, I'm, I tell you right now, Ross Highfield is a much better catcher right now than he was four weeks ago. Significantly better. Significantly better. Um, other things you've got to see. We've talked about going to get pitchers. But here's what else you have to see. Um, you got to see some pitchers take a step forward. Meaning, it is that you're not going to go out and get 15 new pitchers. Okay. But you need Nate Dome to get better. You need Gerangelo to be better. You need Colby Holcomb to be better. You need Bradley Lofton to be what you thought expect it could be. Him to be. So you start talking about summer ball, and we always talk about summer ball. And what is what are the summer leagues for? It's for, you know, Chris Stratton to go off and find that slider. It's for, you know, Kendall Graven to go off and get better with a changeup or maybe learn a cutter. And you think about guys that, that went from good to really great because they went to summer ball and figured things out. Dome could be that guy. If he goes wherever he goes this summer, and I don't care if it's a barn in central Indiana, okay, if he can develop a good slider or secondary pitch, work on a change up a little bit where he's not relying so much on a fastball, Dome could be a really good guy for you. But right now, hey, that's that's the thing about the end of the year. He started getting hit a little bit, and I know he got injured against Auburn. But once you develop a scouting report, and once and at this level, you start talking about the SEC and everybody watching every pitch and every game, back 20 years, it was hard to get a scouting report on people. Now it's pretty easy. Everybody understands and they can look and see what your analytics are and what your tendencies are. And so if you – and not just Nate, and I'm not picking on Nate. I'm just saying he's just one of several guys, a Gerangelo, of, of figuring out the that left-side breaking ball and whether it be movement with, from the left side or figuring something out from the right side. I thought Gerangelo may have hit a wall. I thought so. And, and here's the reason why. You know, early in the year, bubbly personality, you know, he was out there, and he's just—he was kind of a different. I thought—I thought he kind of got knocked around a little bit, and I thought body language today, when he got hit a couple times, dropped his head a little bit. He looked to me like someone that uh, had just lost some confidence. I'll tell you what, LT is—he's a guy that's going to have to make a decision, and that is how committed is he to being a right-left guy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's tough to be a switch hitter. Um. It's there's no, but we got a book on being a switch hitter. There, there, there've been a few, right? Well, there are two things. One is okay. The first thing first, when you start thinking about college athletics, because so many of these guys and some of these guys come in as multi-sport athletes. Okay, you, first of all, you think about the guys who say, "I want to be a quarterback on a football team, and I'm going to be a baseball player in the in the, in the spring." That's hard to do. I mean, it's it, this is not, uh, and this is not a knock. This is this is not 1975. It's different. Every sport is year-round now. 
every sport. And to play at the highest level, every sport is pretty much no uh, question. No question. And then you have to think of the question, okay, I think of Jonathan Holder, okay? Jonathan Holder comes in, he's played in the outfield, he wants to hit, and then he's wanting to pitch as well. This is in the fall of his freshman year. And so when he goes back home, he has to make the decision, okay, do I want to still take BP, do I still want to work with the outfielders, or do I want to hone my skills in the bullpen? And so he made that decision at that time. It is very, very hard to play a position and pitch. And so Gerangelo is going through the same thing in the same room, the pitching room, of what do I do from a left side, a right side, because that takes a lot of commitment. That takes a lot of investment in your time. And so because you're doubling up on everything. You know, it's interesting when you look at it and you start to look at the pitching numbers that we have. Gerangelo hit 14 guys this season the most anybody else hit was seven and and the thing about it is when you look at Gerangelo's numbers okay you've got 34 walks and 50 innings that's higher than it needs to be but you add in the number of guys Um, the other thing about it is he gave up 12 home runs he and Gartman each gave up 12 and that's that's high right so I don't know, uh, but you you got to see him get better, and I, I think right now. And so here would be my thing: we start talking about fixing things. I can't tell you right now. You hope Cade Smith. I don't want to root against him, but you hope you hope he's back. Now, I mean, Cade Smith's probably going to have options, um, and depending on how the draft goes, you may not see Cade Smith. But then you start to say, okay, what's my rotation next year? Who on this rotation is a guaranteed weekend starter? I don't know. Well, it kind of goes back to if you poll every team that is 500 right now in the SEC, 500 or below, what's the first thing they're going to tell you? Everybody's going to tell you the same thing. I need a Friday night guy. It don't matter if you got a Friday night guy right now. I mean, everybody's going to tell you we need a front-line pitcher. We need a front-line pitcher. But let's go back to that pictures. <laughs> let's go back to the plural. Um, but then you got to see some guys, and this goes back to the idea of summer ball. Here's the good thing about summer ball when you go off to these leagues. Um, it don't matter what you do. They're not coming to get you. Right. Other, unless you're in danger. If you got three innings today, we'll sit here all night and let you walk, guys, but you got three innings. And it takes a little bit of pressure off. It lets you work on some things, work on some pitches. So maybe some of these guys get away, take a break. Something you told me one time, and it's kind of stuck with me. You were talking about when you're pitching and you've got – when you're standing on the mound at our field. In high school, what you can do is if you're having trouble throwing strikes, you can look at the outfield. You're not going to see anybody, and you can get a little mental escape and clear your head and just take a deep breath and come back and reengage. The problem on our mound is if you're a pitcher struggling, there's nowhere to look. There's people you go in any direction. I feel like to some degree that this team this year needed that figurative, by analogy, the place to just be able to look for a minute and clear its head. But there was nowhere to go. I mean, I feel like a lot of these guys just need a month or two away. 
and everybody into their defense. And that this is one of the things about being at one of the the best places in the country to play baseball. It's the same way at some of the best places to play football. Is everybody after last year was on edge early. You know, I mean, so last year everybody kind of got on edge at game 25 or 30, right? Everybody this year, from a fan standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, from a player standpoint, after going through the year last year, everybody's on edge week one. And week one, when you lost Saturday against VMI and ever they came back from that big – it was almost like – Here we go again. Here we go again. And you're living in that – I mean, we talk about the egg and the skillet. I mean, you're on, you're that frying egg and that, that, that dancing chicken on the skillet for the whole season. And you start talking about what it wears on you. Now, that's the great thing. Hey, that's the, that's the double-edged sword. That's the great thing about this place is because we care. We do care. It is a big deal. Going back to what we said a minute ago, it is a big deal. So and, let me ask you this. I know we've been going a while. This is uh, we're probably going to take a little time, take a week off here. Maybe come back for another <laughs> coffee here in a week. Um, but there's a lot to just kind of talk through, honestly. So appreciate everybody who's hanging with us as we try to sort through this. Some people say. We have to be in a super regional next year. We have to be in a regional. Well, got to go to Hoover. I am, I think I'm hesitant. Somebody asked me as I was walking out today, they said, well, if you're in charge, what are you demanding happens next year? And I said, well, I think, look, I want to see improvement. We, can, we, we can't go through this again. We, we all no. know that. We can't do this again. Well, are you saying we got to go to a super? I said, no. I said, I'll know it when I see it. I, I don't. Because I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I hate to, I hate to make up artificial things. But at the end of the day, you want to see significant improvement, and you'll know it when you see it. That's my thing too. It's not about well, of course, making the SEC tournament. That's that's the lowest bar. Hosting, you know, being a national seed, whatever. I just don't think you can take definites and say this is what has to happen. You know, going forward. I, I think you'll know. Everybody will know. That's the thing about it. You know, when you when we say a, see a good high school football player, we've broadcast enough high school football. When you see a guy at in the high school level that is a Division One recruit, that's a Power Five recruit, you know. You know what yeah, I'm saying? That's right. You you watch the game and you okay. I know that that dude right there. I know that Chris Jones when he lined up against Louisville as a junior in high school. I looked out there and looked at the dude beside me in the press box that night and said, that cat right there is going to be good, all right? In sports, you usually know. And I think next year you're going to know. All right, so I want to leave you with three quick points. Hey, before you do that, before we get into the quick points, one thing that I do know is when I get catfish from Heartland Catfish, it's going to be outstanding. And if I go to any of these restaurants that they service around the southeast, the Catfish Trail, Jerry's Catfish House, whether it be going to the Crystal Grill, hey, we got Sunday, we got tomorrow off. Hey, may go to the Catfish Grill, go to Early Church tomorrow, run over to Greenwood, go to the Catfish, go to the Crystal Grill for lunch tomorrow. Look at all these great restaurants around the south, top of the river. And they're all serviced by our friends at Heartland catfish heartland producing the finest u.s farm race catfish can possibly want go to heartlandcatfish.com and take a look and see where all the places are on that catfish trail and so you can't go wrong with our friends 
at Heartland Catfish. All right, Charlie, what's your three things? So the first is this. Um, number one, I do believe this problem is fixable. Um, and I believe that because I believe that the pitching can be fixed, and I believe it can be fixed because other people have done it. I mean, it's it's not like <laughs> you know, it's not like uh, teams haven't lost before, and it's not like teams haven't gone from worst to first. We did it. We did it in sixteen, right? We went from worst to first. So I, be- I do believe the problem is fixable. I do believe the problem is pitching. If you look at it from this year, our team ERA was over seven. That includes non-conference, which ought to have brought it down. We walked 321 people, and that's only about 30, 35 off of a record. But that was a record that took another uh, two weeks' worth of games, another three weeks' worth of games to get. That was a College World Series team. Yeah, that in 17. Was it 17? Yeah. We walked 257. So that was Andy's year. That was the year we went to the Super Regionals. So that's the first thing. I do believe it's fixable. I believe the fix is pitching. I do believe. I don't want to go off this, but I got to get. I got before I go to my another two. I have to ask you one thing. Does the fact that we had guys who were playing college baseball when some of our other players still weren't driving, um, still hadn't made high school? Look at this team. Look, we talk about a team not being together. There's a six-year age range on this team. Yeah. It, does that – do we need to just get the COVID years out of the way and the COVID roster additions and just get back to having a bunch of 18 or, or 19 and 2021? You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Um, because in 21, the year after COVID, there wasn't a huge discrepancy in the ages of players. I mean, this is almost like minor league-esque. In college baseball right now. Yeah, it's really weird. I wonder how much that impacts things is the significant range. But anyway, I'll get back to where I was going. I believe the problem is one of the problems, but the paramount problem is pitching. I believe it's fixable. I believe, to go back to what you were saying a minute ago, though, we fix it with no doubters. We need the we need the Chris Jones, right? Yeah. We need the guy you can look out there and say, that guy can pitch. Yeah, and not like wow, this guy impressed us. No, no, no. I mean, we need that guy can pitch. The other thing, though, and this goes back to something you asked earlier. I believe number one, the rules got to be going forward. Don't hug the players, okay? Don't fall in love with our players. Uh, fall in love with the name on the front of the jersey, not the back. Like our players, appreciate our players, respect our players, want them to be here, but understand this is a different world, and. For us to get better, we're going to have to bring some people in. And, look, Bill Belichick won a Super Bowl and about two weeks later cut his starting running back because he needed to make a change. And he wasn't even bad. But he just in the, the world that is pro sports, you got to manage your roster a little bit differently and you got to be a little bit ruthless. Players are going to be ruthless in how they approach things. We're, we're going to have to make some tough decisions. And here's the thing, too. We've got to get – we got to get acclimated to that as fans too. I mean, and that's the point. That's the there. That's the there are thing. going to be some guys that are in the starting lineup that are not going to be back, and just because they enter the transfer portal doesn't mean that they entered it on their own. Is that an easy way to say that? I think that is a 
a good way to say it. I think we have to – the best thing we can do in any sport, and this helps in a myriad of ways, is not to all negatively react when somebody goes in the portal because sometimes there's a lot more to the story either way. Either way, yeah. This could be them. You just don't know. Sometimes the marriage is just not great. Yeah, we're both good people. It's not about you. It's about me. <laughs> um, well, I think I've uh, kind of exhausted. I know we've talked this thing out a lot here tonight. Okay. Um, so going forward for us, right, let's, let's be selfish here. If we're, right. if we're talking about the selfish, selfishness of kids of today's world, let's talk about our selfishness, okay? So here's the deal. We just decided to come in here tonight. Let's roll off a Sunday coffee. We're going to probably take a couple weeks off. We're going to take a couple weeks off. Now we hope our coaching staff and everybody associated with the on the field does not. But we're going to take a couple weeks off um, and come back with you. We'll have Sunday coffees throughout the summer and try to have some guests come on here. Uh, we got to do our show with Zach Arnett about music and food. So, yeah, I'm tired. Um, it's I'm mentally tired. It's it's been a long year, and it's uh, one of those things where I think my uh, energy needs to be geared up to help fight in a little bit of a different way. <laughs> I don't bother everybody with that again, but they know what we need. Um, the but, Bulldog uh, Initiative, that's what they need. Yeah, we need – look, man, I would say this. We can do a lot more to fix issues with the Bulldog Initiative than by complaining. Um, and I'd say that after an hour here tonight complaining. So, I get that. Um, i tell you what, though. The Arnett thing does give me a little bit. That puts a little juice in me. It does. I kind of – though. I'll tell you the one thing I would like to do. I want to see if you're willing to go here with me. I would like to put this season behind us. I'd like to – I know we've gone long, but I felt like, in my mind, I needed to get this out and over with. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we didn't enjoy it. I had a blast this year. I mean, no, what I'm saying is, oh, I know. but in terms of the diagnosis, in terms of the postmortem, in terms of what we need, there's there's not much. We we had 15 weeks of baseball last year. We had 15 weeks of baseball this year, and ever since the first weekend last year, we've said some similar things for 30 straight weeks of baseball. Yeah. You know it's what I'm saying? Tough to it's is you know it's kind of pitching, pitching, and and getting some dog in you. You yeah, know. So, uh, what's your original insight here <laughs> this week on why we can't catch? <laughs> um, I do like the idea though of getting in here soon with Zach Arnett and uh, doing that show. I think that'll be fun. And you and I aren't big off the topic guys. You know, it's not like we come in and and are going to go too far down those rabbit holes most days. Some more than others. But it would be fun just to do to do one like that. But I'm kind of ready to come in and have a Sunday coffee and talk about basketball, uh, talk about football. The WNBA. It started this past week. Did it start yesterday, the WNBA? We should have done a preview show. Should have. Well, we should have done a draft show. <laughs> That's right. We should have done a draft show and then a preview show, and then, get, then we get ready because I saw all the tweets from ESPN. It's a big deal. Glad for the season to start. Yeah, aren't we? Um, <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it, Charlie. Hey, last thing I want to say to everybody who's uh, sent messages this year. Um, look, there's no doubt that sometimes we're calling games. P- 
people can hear the frustration. People can uh, hear us having to fake enthusiasm about somebody else doing something. Um, but beyond that, I would say this, um, and I wish, look, th- there are many more talented, knowledgeable, better analysts uh, than am I. And, by, and play-by-play guys. Let's throw this all in here. Yes, I wasn't going to throw you in, but I will. Um, and I, but I, But every time that I go in there, no matter how mad I am, I at least try to respect the game and respect the league and respect the opponents and feel like, They've got a story that somebody deserves to hear, too, that if you're sitting in College Station, if you're sitting in Fayetteville, and you're watching that ball game, you're entitled, or should be, to somebody who is going to, even if they're not pulling for your team, are going to respect what's going on out there. It's a great game. And um, I'll be honest with you, I've gotten to do a lot of cool things, but there, I can't think of anything that has meant more to me uh, than to be able to sit there and watch those baseball games and for us to hang out watch games with the people who who tune in with us. And so for everybody who's reached out about this show uh, and reached out about the broadcast, sincere thank you. In a rare sentimental moment here, it, it's kind of uh, putting another year in the books is, uh, well, I mean, just to be honest, I can't believe I ever got to do it the first time. And the fact that I get to do it again and again, I, I will never, ever take that for granted. Well, and, and and along those lines, you know, every time we walk in that booth, and you know, we both grew up, you know, Mississippi State baseball fans, and you know, I was talking during the Road Dogs. You know, when I was a kid, that you know, growing up, and I, I just simply wasn't good enough to play at this level. I would have loved to have played at this level, and I tried to play at this level. But I just wasn't good enough. But I always said if I wasn't good enough that I always wanted to broadcast at Mississippi State. And, you know, I've had that opportunity of doing that with softball to women's basketball to men's basketball to baseball. And I've done some football. We do football pregame and postgame. And it's just it's cool to me to be able to do that. And it's also we also understand, too, about how lucky we are. Um, when you start thinking about – the national broadcast, and sometimes, I mean, those guys that do the national broadcast, it's tough. They're doing it from their house, and to get the feel of the game, and one week you're in Startwell, Mississippi, and the next week you're in Columbia, South Carolina, or Columbia, Missouri. And one of the great things about what we get to do is every day we get to go to the same booth. We know the players. We know the coaches. We know, we know the nuances about what makes this place special. And – you know, somebody said something to me about one time about, man, don't you wish that, you know, you worked with the SEC network and you go to all these different places and broadcast ball games? But, of course, hey, that's a that's making it, you know, another rise and another rung on the step. But at the end of the day, and that's what I told them, was like, man, every day I get to go to the ballpark and be our guys. And I know we want to broadcast it and we want to make sure that A&M people feel like they had a broadcast experience that was worthy of the SEC network today. But at the end of the day, deep down in my heart, wanting Mississippi State to win, the most awesome thing in the world that we get to do is walk in that booth at Duty Noble and deep down want our team to win and be able to see our team play every single time. And I think, to me – the value in being able to do that, I'd, I, and I know this 
this sounds stupid and crazy. I'd rather be doing what we're doing than sitting in the press box in Lexington, Kentucky, watching a ball game that my heart's not in. No, absolutely. And and then last thing on baseball, um, before we put the wraps on this season, along those same lines, there has not been a game that we have walked out. You and I park out behind the outfield. So we come down from the press box, take the stairs. Yeah, we got to get a better parking pass. Well, that is true. But, you know, (laughs) it takes us through the outfield. It takes us through people. There has not been a game that I have walked out that somebody hasn't stopped and said something about what we said on the podcast or what have you. And so to those of you who do listen uh, and suffered through another baseball season with us kind of trying to vent some of your frustrations here and some of your excitement when that was warranted here, uh, thank you. Yep, I, I really it, do appreciate it. And that's, that's what I'm going to get out of here. And, um, you know, that's one of the things about this podcast. When we started it in 2020, COVID hit. We went to interviews. Then we, you know, the, during football season in 2020, we went to a Sunday coffee just because we were just so geeked up about a win against LSU and we just wanted to talk about it. Now it's morphed into a, a Friday deep dig show when you're previewing. And it's amazing to see – of how far is, and that's what's pretty cool. And to be honest, we we have people that come up to us after every game. I was on the Road Dogs tour, no matter where we went, Tyler, Texas, Houston, Texas, whether it was Atlanta, whether it was Cleveland, Mississippi, whether it was Jackson, and people talking about listening to this podcast. And we enjoy it, and we appreciate the kind words. And um, it's just like a baseball broadcast. We want to continue to get better. Our numbers are crazy, stupid, but it, for two guys just to walk in here and talk baseball, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. So, hey, appreciate you hanging. Neither out. one of us are sick or dying, by the way, as far as we no, know. no, no. <laughs> pretty, I kind of have that. Uh, and neither one of us have tiered, which now is for you know, the big announcement. Okay, now I will not be coming back. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if who I'll do we replace. Hey, uh, send me a tweet about who do you want to replace Charlie with. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so, hey, um, thanks to our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House, strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Go to Farm Bureau, Farm Bureau. Favorites.com, agents all across the state of Mississippi. Tracks Plus, hey, Tracks Plus now with five locations. We have our Tracks Plus deep dig all baseball season long. Tracks Plus with the Saney excavators and mini excavators, the Barco forestry equipment. Massey Ferguson with the tractors and implements. Heartland Catfish all across the state of Mississippi. Those great catfish houses we talked about. Shivers Creek Fish House down in Simpson County to Jerry's to Crystal Grill, the top of the river, to all those places the catfish hold in Arkansas. Cannon Ford of Start. Well, nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody. Two Brothers Smoked Meats on University Drive in Startville. And, of course, our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs. They'll take care of you with that great customer service at Bank First. And so for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. You've been listening to Sunday Coffee.